right, everybody, as my lovely wife mentioned, this, this Be the Miracle, that is next Sunday, December 12th. So I want to make sure everybody is going to be here and you're inviting our friends. Okay, all your friends, even your enemies, invite them. And this card that's on the chairs, if you're here in person, is for you to give it to somebody and invite them to come. We want to pack this place out because we are packing meals. And our goal is 45,000 meals. So that's going to take uh, 300 of us to be here over the three service times of 8, 9.30, and 11. You can go see um, Alex in the back at the table if you want to get some more information, even see one of the bags of what we're going to be packing next week. So make sure you guys come to that. We do imagine the 9, 30, and 11 to be a little bit fuller. So if you guys are able, I know you guys are the late risers right here in this crowd, but if you're able, come to the 8 a.m. That's going to be really good. And also with the giving for that. So it costs 25 cents to, to produce the food, manufacture it for us to, to package it, and for it to get all the way shipped to a family in need in Haiti. 25 cents is it for a meal, which is awesome. Um, so what that means is we've got to raise the funds to make that happen as well. So that's about $12,000, which seems like a lot. But if everybody just came and said, hey, I'm going to pay for what I'm going to pack, so each person that can, on average, pack about 150 meals, that would be $38.50. So if everybody came next week and said, hey, I'm going to bring $38.50, or 40 bucks, just round up a little bit, right? And, and then maybe some of you are going to be led to give even more than that, which would be awesome. But if we just did that, we'd have enough. But I know there's going to be some people who are like, I can't do that. So please give for other people as well. And you can do that at risedenver.com slash meal pack as well. Or, or at our just normal giving, make sure you click the drop down for the uh, meal pack ministry for that because we got to raise that $12,000. So come next week and bring some money too. Bring some cash, okay? Especially when you're inviting friends, you pay for them, right? That's what we do. Okay, um, last week we had a special prayer for those people who are medical workers, those who are working in hospitals, um, nurses and doctors, and, and technicians. We know it's just been a crazy time, but I also know it's been a crazy season for those who are teachers. <laughs> those who are teachers, uh, school administrators, uh, TAs, um, nurses, lunchroom workers, all those people that are working with kids right now. It's been difficult and challenging, so I wanted to say a special prayer for you all. So if you are one of those people, if you work with kids, would you please stand up right now just so we can see you and kind of encourage you? Could you please stand right now and let's give those people a hand. Thank you so much for your service to kids. And let's, if you see one of those people around you, let's, let's reach out to our hands and kind of pray for those people together. Could we do that? You can have a seat if you want, Val. Um, Lord God, we are just so grateful for those who have given their lives to invest in the next generation, to teach, to love, to serve our kids and the kids of our community. We pray that you'd bless them right now in this extremely challenging season of already having to figure out being um, online over Zoom or, or wearing masks and being in person and figuring out how to communicate in a way that kids can understand and, and having to do with all the different crazy COVID protocols. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to give them strength and courage, not only to finish out this year, but to enter into next year even stronger. Lord God, we pray that they would all be um, just encouraged right now as we pray. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, miracles. Well, I challenged you last week in the first week in our series on miracles to ask God to show up with some miracles. That was kind of my challenge. Just everybody say, just ask God, God, could you show up and do some miracles in my life? Because who doesn't want to see some pretty cool miracles? Wouldn't that be awesome? I think even if you don't believe, you're like, I'd love to see some miracles. Um, so that was my challenge last week. And I shared with you that I had something kind of cool happen because it was two weeks ago on a Tuesday morning that I prayed and I woke up and I'm like, God, I would like to see some miracles. Like that would be awesome uh, to be able to see some more miracles in our life and just to be able to praise God for, for who's, who's working these awesome things. And then that day, it, I, I, we went in for a dentist appointment 
and found out that we were going to have to add an additional procedure, which is always fun when the dentist tells you that, right? They're like, great, okay. Then we go up to the front desk to schedule this uh, dental procedure, and they're like, oh, and by the way, you know, because of your insurance, you're kind of already, you know, hit your, your frame, so you're going to owe about $800 for this procedure. I'm like, great, Merry Christmas to us, right? You know, and, and normally 800 bucks, okay, that's not a ton of money, but it's enough when you've already budgeted all your excess to go to Christmas presents, right? Into the meal pack. Yes, okay. And we're like, oh, great. So I, I talked with Melissa. I'm like, okay, well, we didn't budget for this. And we're like, okay, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. And, uh, but, but then Melissa's like, maybe I can call back. Maybe they had a mix-up with the insurance or something. So she calls back. No mix-up. Okay, there's no mix-up. We owe this 800, almost $800. And she's like, well, can't you give a discount? And they're like, we could give you 15% off. And we're like, ah, oh, awesome. Praise God. That's great, right? And then a couple hours later, I was, I was working and Melissa texted me. She said, you know, the dentist's office just called and they said, they, they still had all the insurance stuff right, but they were just going to give us this procedure for free. I was like, what? Who does that, right? Yeah, pretty cool, right? And I was like, so then I text her back. I'm like, you know, I prayed for some miracles. <laughs> and it, it happens on the same day that I'm asking God to show up. And I'm like, is it a miracle? That's pretty cool, right? It's an answer to prayer. It's something that I was excited about and something to celebrate. And I'm like, that is really cool. But even as I'm telling you this, some of you are like, eh, man, it's just a coincidence. I, I get it, okay? I get it that you think it's just a coincidence, that it just happens to be that today you ask for a miracle, something out of the blue happens, but it could have happened. It would have happened anyways, right? That's what some people might say. And if that's you, that's okay. Be because we're going to talk about this idea of coincidence. Is there a such thing as coincidence? Or, or are there no coincidences in the world? And there is a, a concept, and I'll just, uh, let's just talk about it, that there's a Chinese proverb that says, no coincidence, no story, <laughs> is how it translates, because like, you only have the good story to tell because something bizarre happened, right? We, we, we can acknowledge this, that sometimes it's just the bizarre happenstance that you happen to run into that person in the middle of nowhere when you're visiting a foreign country, and you're like, wait, well, how did you get here? Okay, crazy cool. It seems like this cool coincidence. I don't know if it has any deeper meaning. So I'm going to say this, that, and C.S. Lewis always talks about this idea that there's this road that you're supposed to drive on that's right, okay, and it's very easy to fall into the ditch on either side of the road, so when we're talking about this concept of coincidences or, or miracles or God's hand being at work, there is on one side full skepticism. That no way, that's just complete chance and even weird things happen by chance. It was completely a coincidence and anything is a coincidence. There's no such thing as divine work. Okay, that's a ditch that you can fall on and it is not a good ditch to be in, okay? Let me tell you this. I don't want you in that ditch. But there's also on the other side, let's be honest, there's this ditch of gullibility, <laughs> Did you just believe everything? Every weird coincidence, oh my gosh, I picked up this quarter, and this means this, right? It's like, okay, maybe you just found a quarter, okay? You know, I know people that have made decisions like marry someone because they saw the person's name on like the side of a billboard, like, okay, maybe it was God, but I don't know, like, I don't know, like, but now you guys are having some fights and need to go counseling, okay? But, okay, the point is we can fall either side, the skepticism or the gullibility, and we don't want to be either one. We want to be right in the middle, which is saying, hey, there is, sometimes we can healthily say, hey, I'm not sure that that's quite a coincidence, but I'm open to the fact that it could be a miracle. And, and then we do need to believe some things. We do need to believe some things that God is at work. And we're going to see that very clearly from some of the scriptures we're going to look at today. And what I'm going to teach you, if, if you're listening right now, lean in a little bit. There's the big idea. Don't want you to leave without this. Is that there is no coincidence with prayer and providence. There's no coincidence with prayer 
and providence. So that's what we're going to focus on today as we learn from God's Word. Now we're going to jump around to a bunch of different scriptures today. So if you have the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, if you go to the bottom right-hand corner, there's a button that says more. It's like three lines. You hit more. And then if you find our event, you can look for an event and just type in Arise Church Denver. We do that every week. And if you're watching online, you can just click that link on there and, and it'll direct you to it. It has all the scriptures we're going to look at today, a place to take notes. And it also has a link to our website with different things like the meal pack and giving. And also we have a page dedicated for this series called AriseDenver.com miracles, which has a bunch of stories and resources that you can click on if you guys want to dive deeper. So go ahead and open there. And our first scripture we're going to look at today is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 11, real short scripture, because in this series we're talking about the miracles of Christmas and how they point us to something that can impact our lives today and some deeper questions that we all have. So in 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11, we learn about some of the prophecies that are fulfilled in Jesus. Verse 10, Peter, one of the main disciples of Jesus, says this. He says, concerning this salvation... Now, he's referring to the salvation that is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone, that he came down from heaven to love us, to serve us, to die for us on the cross, that if we believe in his name, that we can have eternal life in heaven forever. So he said, all that salvation, that's good stuff. So he's wrapping up a section. He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. So Peter is saying that there were these prophets, and they spoke and they wrote over a thousand years' time in what we call the Old Testament. From the book of Genesis all the way to the last book in our Old Testament, Malachi, which is a name that means the messenger. All these prophets spoke speaking about a Messiah, a Savior who would come. And it even says, fascinatingly enough, it was the Spirit of Christ. Christ means Messiah. So the Messiah, who we know as Jesus, was speaking through these prophets for over a thousand years. He'd stir their hearts. He carried along these authors as they spoke and as they wrote down these different various prophecies, saying, hey, there's going to be this Messiah coming. And these these prophets were so excited about it that they were praying, asking, when, when is this going to happen? They're searching intently, trying to figure out the time. When is this going to happen? Where is it going to happen? What, what's going on with the Messiah? And what's really interesting, a few weeks ago, we had a message that just looked at the, the, the prophecies about Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection, which there were 17 prophecies. It's a, it was pretty cool, cool to look at those. But about the birth of Jesus, and that's what we talk about at Christmas time, right? The birth of Jesus, there were at least 11 prophecies about this Messiah who would come. At least 11. And I want to go kind of quickly through these because these prophets had these prophecies about the Messiah, and then they were all like wondering, okay, when and where is it going to be? And they were given from over 1,000 B.C. Um, early to about 400 B.C. The last prophet Malachi wrote in 400 And then there was this period that they call also often the 400 silent years when there were no prophets speaking. And they were all waiting eagerly. I mean, some of us can't wait four minutes for something to get out of the oven, right? 400 years they're waiting, searching. People are praying and longing for the Messiah to come. So I want to show you some of these 11 prophecies from the Old Testament. These first several are about the lineage of the Messiah. The first one is given to Abraham, that it would be from Abraham, one of his descendants, that would be the Messiah. But then it goes on, and if you see here, we're not going to read these scriptures here, but, but you can look at them. On the left, underneath each one of these prophecies, it says this, the Old Testament scripture where it's prophesied. 
Genesis 12, 13. And then on the right next to the arrow, it says the New Testament scripture that shows that that was fulfilled. Okay, you guys got that? So you can look that up on your own. Do your homework, okay? The first one would be from Abraham. But then Abraham had two sons, okay? Yes, and it was a messy situation because only one of them was through his wife, okay? Yes, people in the Bible had messed up lives just like you do, okay? There's grace for all of us, okay? Abraham had his first son, Ishmael, through his concubine, and then he actually got pregnant through his wife, Sarah, and that was the child, Isaac. So there's a second prophecy that says it's going to be through Isaac, not any one of Abraham's children, but only through Isaac's line. But then there's a third prophecy after that. It would be one of Isaac's son, because Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And it was through Jacob that the Messiah would come. So here's, here's three prophecies already, just narrowing down this lineage. But then it goes on. There's even more prophecies about the lineage of the Messiah. It, it would also be not only one of Jacob's sons, because he had 12. And that's a lot of kids, right? Just 12 boys. It's a lot of boys. Anybody have 12 boys in here? No, I didn't think so. Okay. But one of them, Judah, it would come through Judah's line that the Messiah would come. But then it was going on even generation after generation after that, there was a man named Jesse who was a shepherd. And it was prophesied that it would be from Jesse that the Messiah would be born. And even after that, Jesse's son, David, the king, this would be a royal Messiah who would come. So these first six prophecies we see is it narrows and narrows down this family tree. The Messiah would come from this line. But this is where it gets a little wild. You guys ready for this? There's another prophecy <laughs> that the Messiah would be conceived of a virgin. <laughs> okay, if the first six were like, well, it's just lineage, okay, we're just narrowing down which family, part of the family tree, and we're snipping off some lines over there, okay. But this one, in case you didn't know, is impossible, okay? And I said this next week, but I feel like I need to reiterate because some of you are like, well, maybe they didn't understand. They understood biology back then, okay? This is basic biology. People in the past were not all idiots. If you think that, you're an idiot. Okay? They knew what it took for a baby to be born. And yet, there's this prophecy that the Messiah would be conceived from a virgin. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a child. Virgin conception. When we know that happened, when Mary, this young teenage girl, got pregnant before she was married, before she had been with a man. But then there's even more prophecies about the birth of Jesus. There's one that he would be honored by desert dwellers and kings. Interesting. That they would honor this baby who was born. And we know that when the child was born, shepherds out in the field in the deserts came to worship this baby who was born, being led there by an angel. And we also know that the magi, the wise men, the kings from the east came to worship the Messiah as well, fulfilling this prophecy from the Psalms. But then it gets more specific about location. There's another prophecy in Micah that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was not a thriving metropolis of those days. Maybe about 200 people lived in this tiny little town. 200 people. Middle of nowhere, podunk, rural village. And it would be from that village where the Messiah would come. But to make it even more interesting, not only would this Messiah be born in Bethlehem, but he would also come out of Egypt. If you didn't know this, Bethlehem is not in Egypt. Bethlehem is in Israel, Egypt is in Egypt, okay? So, so how could the Messiah be born in Bethlehem but come out of Egypt? Well, when you read what happened in the New Testament, was that um, this king Herod was so upset that the Messiah was supposedly going to be born that he ordered all the young boys to be killed, to be slaughtered. 
Joseph, Jesus' father, heard about this and took the family out to Egypt to hide as refugees until Herod had passed and it was safe for them to come back into Israel. So therefore, this little baby was born in Bethlehem and came out of Egypt. But then moving on from there, make it even more interesting that the Messiah would come from the region of Galilee. And if you didn't know this, Galilee uh, is not in Egypt and Bethlehem is not in Galilee. Galilee is the region in the very northernmost part of Israel. So this Messiah had to be born in this small town, come up out of Egypt, and then come from Galilee. Well, that's what happened, because Jesus' family was actually from Galilee. This area where there's a town called Nazareth, where Jesus was raised, and he learned the trade of his father as a carpenter there in the region of Galilee. Here we see these 11 prophecies fulfilled in one person. Now, the ditch of the skeptic says, that's just a bizarre chance. Okay, just a bizarre coincidence that all these things happen to line up. And I think you've fallen in the ditch if you're going to say that. Let's just be honest, okay? You've fallen into the ditch of skepticism because how could all 11 of these have been fulfilled? And then for Jesus to go on and live the life of his teachings and his miracles as reported and to live the life that he did and to die the way that he did. It makes no sense for that to be chance or coincidence. I think that takes more faith than to believe. See, these prophecies for us should stir in us a ton of faith that God can work throughout human history in mysterious ways to guide prophets to speak and to write things and then to make all of history come together, all these different strands so that it comes into one person, God acting in human history. That's how God works. And why I'm teaching you this today in our series is not just to build your faith in the God of the Bible, but because that God is still alive and at work today. Thank you. You can say amen to that. That God is still alive and at work today. He is still working in human history, still bringing things together, still leading the way and maneuvering things, and that God wants to be at work in your life as well. And that's what I'm trying to challenge you guys to do. Because there is no coincidence with prayer and providence. So that's why we need to learn how to pray. This can and should impact us when we see how God works in history. Because Jesus actually teaches us to pray for God to work in these mysterious, miraculous ways. He does. I want to show you this. In Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, this is Jesus' teaching to us. He says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Yes, people in the first century did not believe that mountains threw themselves into the sea, okay? They were not idiots. I have to keep saying this, but some of you keep thinking that, okay? What Jesus is teaching is something that's impossible, and they knew it was impossible, and yet he tells us to pray for impossible things, for God to work in miraculous ways. In fact, he says this in verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. This is teaching on prayer. Pray for the miraculous. Pray for God to work in mysterious ways in your life. We're taught to do that. And that's actually what the early Christians did. You know, in the book of Acts, there's all sorts of stories, but I want to just point out one from Acts chapter 12. Because the early 
Christians, like they're, they're living out what, what Jesus had taught. It's not just Jesus doing these miracles, okay? Praying for them. But he, he tells us to do the same. And in, in, in Acts, there's this time where Peter, who's one of the leaders of the early church, is preaching, telling everybody about Jesus, how amazing he is. He did these miracles. All these prophecies are filled. He rose from the dead. You should believe in him. And because of that, he got thrown in prison. The Jews were not too happy with that at the day, those religious leaders. So it says in, in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I point this out because it wasn't Peter praying. It wasn't Paul praying. It wasn't these uh, amazing apostles who did great things. It was the church. It was me and you. It was us, God's people, normal everyday people who are praying for Peter when he's in prison. And then it says in verse 7, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side. That's a good way to wake up, right? Angels are like, wake up, Peter, and woke him up. Get quick, quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. He walked out of the gate completely unharmed. Christians pray and miracles happen. We're shown that this is how it's supposed to go in the book of Acts. See, we are taught by Jesus to pray for miracles. We're shown in the early church that that is how they did it. So we must also ask God to act in mysterious ways that only he can. Because there are no coincidences with prayer and providence. We should pray for things, even small things, okay? I want to challenge you even to pray for small things. Because some of you are like, I don't have a ton of faith, Matt. That's okay. Pray for small things. J.P. Moreland has a book called... um, a Simple Guide to Experiencing Miracles. I have it linked on our, our Miracles page on our website. It's a great book because this guy is a brilliant philosopher. And he, he has these stories, and one of the stories is about a young girl named Ashley. And Ashley was 10 years old, and she had two parakeets, but one of them died. Okay? So she went to her mom and said, Mom, the parakeet died. Can, can we get another one? And what does the mom say? No. <laughs> You're not getting another parakeet, Okay. Uh, you got one still, we're, we're good with that, right? As any good mom would say, right? But Ashley was like, well, mom, I'm, I'm going to pray that God gives us a parakeet if you're not going to get me one. I pray that God, and she's like, okay, fine. And then Ashley started praying. Well, the very next day, Ashley is outside playing with her friends when they look up and on a branch, there lands a parakeet. The exact same color and size as the parakeet that had died the day before. They canvassed the whole neighborhood to find out, did somebody lose a parakeet? And nobody knew anything about it. So they took that parakeet home, and God answered Ashley's prayer for a parakeet. See, God works in those seemingly small ways, right? A lot of people have asked me, like, well, what defines a miracle? Like, does it have to be someone who has this miraculous cure that can't be explained by science, as some of the stories we heard last week? (laughs) Maybe. But I would just define it as God's invisible hand at work in the world. We talk about when, when his invisible hand is at work, and when we pray and then we see that hand working, it's no coincidence, even for small things like a parakeet. So I want to just challenge you guys to start praying even for small things in your life. Things you're like, okay, this, this can't happen, but then boom, it happens. Okay? So start praying for those small things. Because then what you're going to see is God's providence come through, his providence come through. So what is Providence. Providence is a fancy word for the way God's invisible hand works in the world, okay? He's providing, he's acting, he's moving. You know, we sing that song to our kids. He's got the whole world in his hands. Okay, that's great. 
But then if God only just held the whole world in his hands and everything in it and, and didn't move his hand, what's the whole point of him holding everything, right? We sing it because we know that God actually works. His hands, though invisible, though we see just the effects of them as the Holy Spirit, we, we see it as the wind knocking a branch, right? That's how the Holy Spirit works. We see the effects of it, not necessarily seeing it. But that's God's providence. He's working in these mysterious ways. And it is actually what is taught throughout the scriptures. Jesus himself taught about providence. We see it in one place in, in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? The smallest bird sold for a penny. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's what? Care. And even the very hairs on your head, whether there's a lot or just a few, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So what Jesus told us. The hairs on your head, the little bird, and you are worth way more than a bird because you were created in the image of God, knit together in your mother's womb. You're special to him. He cares about you. And because he cares, he acts with his invisible hands to take care of you. In Acts, the Apostle Paul taught this. In Acts 17, 26, 26, he says, From one man, God, made all the people of the world. Now they live all over the earth. He decided exactly when they should live, and he decided exactly where they should live. All humans throughout human history, God is not just like randomly throwing people out. He, he purposely plants us where we are in the exact time and location that we are. None of it's on accident. None of it is coincidence. God is working through all of it. That's his providence. And what's amazing is the scriptures teach us that even our own free will decisions that we make, God has power to work through. This is what we see in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We make our plans. We think we've got it all figured out. Man, at the beginning of 2020, I had some great plans for this church. You should see the documents I put together for this church. I was so excited. Wrote them all down, and guess what happened to all those plans? Delete those ones, right? Because that's the reality. We make our plans, but we don't plan the future. God does. He establishes our steps. He can actively use our own free will decisions. He knows what's going on all the time. And God even works through the terrible, evil, sinful, awful things that happen in our world. That's what we learn in the great promise of Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, in all things, in the pandemic, in sickness, in death, in Satan trying to destroy things in our world, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God's sovereign, providential hand is always at work. There is no coincidence with prayer and providence. God's invisible hands are at work. So we need to ask God to act and then watch as he does. Watch as he does. One of my friends, Scott, from seminary, went and planted a church in Nashua, New Hampshire, called The Well. And just a couple weeks ago, he shared um, this story online, and I reached out to him. I'm like, Scott, can I please share this story with my church? And he's like, please do, Matt, please do. So I want you guys to hear from Scott himself about God's providence. Just wanted to share a quick update on uh, the whole process that we're going through right now with uh, Charity getting surgery. Uh, some of you don't even know um, that she's been uh, leading up for months to get a surgery 
to completely reconstruct her core. Um, boy, she has been a warrior for the past nine years of being a mom. Uh, but really ever since the first pregnancy, um, she had a lot of complications with her core, her abs completely splitting and her guts and intestines just being, you know, uh, really vulnerably exposed. And so she, she's needed to have this done for a long time. Um, uh, but she's been so, so courageous to have four kids, uh, and to get through this. And we didn't even know if this was ever going to happen for her, but she's willingly submitted to just having her body ruined to have four kids. So, uh, but she is currently at St. Joseph's Hospital and they are working on her. Um, now this was a, a surgery. Um, she, she actually is getting a hernia repaired as well. Uh, this is a surgery that, um, we, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to afford. Um, but back in the spring really felt convicted that God wanted us to do this. Uh, to really care for her and so that she could be a, a stronger parent and even grandmother one day. Uh, so we felt like we needed to do it, even though we weren't sure uh, how it was gonna, all going to happen. And, and here's really the update. This is why I want to talk this morning. Um, God is unbelievable. Our Savior is just so good. And uh, the way that he has cared for us in this season to help Charity get to this place where she's having the surgery today uh, is just mind-boggling. So uh, we felt convicted to go do it and to have that. And, uh, and then within a few weeks, um, out of nowhere, you know, when, when it was going to be thousands of dollars up front to be able to do this, uh, a partner who had supported uh, our adventure here in church planning uh, early in the process uh, that we hadn't even talked to for five plus years, no joke, um, <laughs> we got a letter in the mail. And in the letter, they said, man, we've been following you guys and loving what you're doing and, and all that God is, is doing to care for you and, and expand his kingdom, his mission to love the world through the well. And uh, she said, as I was praying for you guys, God just put it on my heart today to do something for you. And in the card uh, was a check for, uh, I mean, thousands of dollars within $5 of what we needed to put up front. And it broke us. I mean, just to know that, Someone we hadn't talked to in five plus years, God put it on their heart to care for my wife uh, in a vulnerability that she had endured for years and years and years. Uh, was, it just blew our minds that God loves us that much, and he does. Isn't that pretty cool? Thank you, Scott and Charity, for letting us share your story um, and keep, continue to pray for Charity's recovery. Um, but that's how God's providence works. Like You, you pray, you, you follow him, and then God will provide. He takes care of things like that. And so that's why I want to challenge all of you guys. Start praying and even pray for specific things. Okay, how many prayers were like, God, I, we just want you to work and, and do some stuff and, and be there? Like, okay, great, but let's, let's make it from vague to specific. Like, God, we need this much money. We need you to act in this person's heart because I've tried to talk with them and nothing will convince them. Change their heart. These are some specific things that we can be praying for. And I want to challenge you guys to start praying for some specific things things and then watch as God comes through the same God who, who took these 11 prophecies that he, he wrote through all these different author, authors of the Old Testament that these 11 prophecies were fulfilled in the birth of Jesus and and a few weeks ago we talked about the 17 prophecies that will for, were fulfilled in the suffering death and resurrection of Jesus plus there's over a dozen more in the middle of his life I, I did some research this week I'm like how many prophecies were even fulfilled with Jesus on the low end 
55. On the low end, 55. But then there's some that say there was 100 or, or 300. I found one scholar who, who found, I think it was 574 scriptures in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in Jesus. So whether you think it's 55 or 574 or somewhere in between, it's pretty incredible that God can work in mysterious ways like that. And if God is willing to do that, what is he willing to do for us? And the scriptures tell us that that actually proves the following. Look at this in, in Romans 8.32. This verse is so good. It's, good. it's so good. You guys should memorize this. Romans 8.32, it says, But God did not keep back his own son, but he gave him for us. If God did this, won't he freely give us everything else? God is willing to do so much for us in giving his own son to be born among us in a manger, to live for us, to die on the cross and suffer all of those atrocities. And if, if God's willing to do that for us, he's willing to do so much more in the name of Jesus for those who believe in his name. So I'm saying this, we need to ask God to act specifically and then watch as he comes through with his invisible hand of providence. Because there is no coincidence with prayer and providence. So whether you're asking for very small things or huge, enormous things, and in two weeks our message is all going to be about <laughs> praying for those impossible prayers that you're like, there's no way that this could happen, okay? Come back in two weeks if you're like, you want to know more about that. But I think some of us have these small, specific ways or, or medium-specific ways, and, and we need to ask God to do that because he does work in those ways. And, and I wanted to tell you one story about a woman named Nadina. And Nadina went by Dina, as she was known. And, and, and Dina... Um, was, was born and raised in Iran. And because of that, she was raised as a Muslim. And she, she lived there, and she was Muslim so much that she hated Christians. Okay? She hated anyone that broke with Islam, that she became part of something there in the nation of, Islam, or in, in the nation of Iran um, that kind of translates to basically the female secret police. So she would um, you know, rat out people that weren't following Sharia law in Iran so that they could be punished. And she specifically wanted to find people who had converted to Christianity. Because then they could be arrested, they could be um, tortured, and even killed. And she took joy in turning in Christians. Part of the reason was because she was depressed and angry. And, and she felt that despair because she was a single woman and she was living with her mother, who on top of having MS, was slowly dying of cancer. She was taking care of her mother, and her mother just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so, so, so Dina was just so angry being at home all the time, taking care of her mother, that she started calling in to a Christian TV show. And there's this Christian TV show. You guys can look it up. It's a ministry called Iran Alive Ministries, led by Harmaz Shariat, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing that right. And Hormoz um, was actually an Iranian man, raised Muslim, but he came to the U.S. to study at USC, get his doctorate there for, as, to be a scientist, and that's when he met Jesus Christ, became a follower of Jesus. He planted a church in California, and then he felt led to start this ministry, Iran Alive Ministries. And they would go through satellite to bring Christian TV live into Iran. And what's amazing is that Hormoz is, is known as the Billy Graham of Iran, because seven to nine million people watch this TV show every day. Seven to nine million. That's almost 10% of the entire nation of Iran. Yeah. So he goes on live TV and allows people to call in and say whatever they want. So Dina would call in regularly to his show. And the first time she called in 2002, she said, you're going to hell. 
because Jesus is not God. That was the first, thing, first words out of her mouth, right? That's great, okay? And she kept calling back over and over again to just say angry things to Hormoz. And um, uh, finally, she, as things got progressively worse with her mother, she called in to the TV show and on live TV said, hey, things are so bad. My mother's so awful. Her, her health is so poor right now. She can't get out of bed. She's bedridden for a long time. And, and I'm going to kill my mother and commit suicide right now on live TV. And this was, wasn't an idle threat because Iran does have the highest suicide rate in the entire world. Things are bad there. And she said, I'm going to do it on live TV. And Harmaz, just trying to think real quickly, said, okay, um, if you're going to commit suicide and you're going to kill yourself anyways, take the next seven days and give them to Jesus. Dina was like, yeah, right, Jesus isn't real. <laughs> okay? He's not God. And he said, well, just take me up on this challenge. For seven days, ask Jesus every day to save you. Jesus, save me. And he said, if Jesus doesn't show up in the next seven days, call back up and you can commit suicide on, on TV. So Dina, almost as a joke, says, I'll, I'll do it. I'll take your challenge. Well, seven days later, she calls back on the TV show. And Harmaz says that he was really nervous as he saw her name pop up on, on, on who was calling in because he had no idea what was about to happen. But when he picked up the phone, Dina said, your Jesus is real. She said, I started praying every day and, and thinking it was just a joke. She said, and, and nothing happened for the first four days. But on the fifth, fifth day, early in the morning, before I had gotten out of bed, I heard somebody walking in the hallway. And, and I thought for sure there was an intruder because my mom hadn't moved in a long time. But it was her mother that opened the door and came in. And she said, I'm feeling great. And her mother explained, she said, last night I felt like I was going to die. I thought it was the end and I just cried out for anyone to help me. And he came and healed me. And Dina's like, who, who came? Was it one of the imams, one of the Muslim leaders that, that came and healed you? And she said, no, no, no. It was Jesus. I saw his face in my room and I'm healed. They went to the hospital. Her MS had been healed and her cancer was gone. The doctor said it was a miracle. And Nadine and her mother both accepted Jesus Christ. And when I read that story that was last updated in 2020, her mother was still alive and completely healthy. Dina gave her life to Christ, and she later married, and she and her husband started planting churches in Iran, knowing that she could get tortured and killed because of her faith. But they have planted now hundreds of churches. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but Iran now has some of the fastest-growing churches in the entire world, even though they're completely underground. And this is at work because of that simple prayer, right? Jesus saved me. Jesus, do something. Show up. And God showed up big time in her life. See, the God who arranged all those prophecies for Jesus, who works in human history, is the same God that is at work today in your lives. And we need to ask that God to act in our lives, to pray for specific things, to ask him to move and to act and to do miracles, small things like a parakeet or huge things like healing from cancer. But whatever it is, we need to ask God to work because there is no coincidence with prayer and providence. So what I'm going to do right now, I just want you to take a second, okay? We need to start asking God to do some things. James said you have not because you ask not, okay? So I want you to take a minute right now. Take out your phone, take out a piece of paper, and I want you to write down at least one specific prayer. 
One specific prayer. I don't care if it's about a small thing or a huge thing. Just write down that one specific prayer. So, so do it right now, okay? I mean, take, take a moment to do this. God, um, the men, women, and children who are watching, who are listening, and who are here in person, Lord, some of them are writing down some specific things, and I pray that you'd lead them to do those things. Lord God, we're asking you to move. We believe that you are the same God who worked throughout history to, to help the prophets write down these incredible prophecies, to fulfill them in the birth and life of Jesus. And we pray that you would continue to work in our lives. And if you gave us your son, how could you not then give us so much more? We claim that promise today and ask that you'd work. Now, if, if everybody could just close your eyes for a second, if you're able, close your eyes. And there might be someone here who has already been experiencing those crazy things happen in your life. And you know that Jesus has already shown up in your life. And you're like, I know something has changed. If that's you and you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today so that he would work in mysterious ways in your life that he would work all things together for your good. So what we do here is we, we have this simple prayer that you can repeat to declare that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and receive his gift of eternal life. And what I'm going to do is lead you in this prayer. So if you're already a follower of Jesus, could you say this out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time? And let's say this prayer together. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Give me eternal life. Help me to follow you and believe for the rest of my life. Now, with eyes still closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior today, would you please slip your hand into the air? We just want to be able to see it. And like the young woman in the first service who made this decision, we just want to celebrate with you. So please slip your hand in the air if you made that decision. If you're online, you can go to risedenver.com slash follow. Yeah, you can put your, your hand in the air. Um, Lord God, we are just so grateful for those who make this decision to follow you. And we pray that you'd bless them and you'd show up in small and big and enormous ways that cannot be explained by anything. That we can't just say, oh, it's just a coincidence. Lord God, I pray that in all of our lives and in our church, we would continue to see the invisible hand of God work in miraculous ways. We believe, God, that you are the God of miracles. And we come right now to worship at Jesus' feet. Pray all this in his name. Amen. And would you please stand together as we sing this song we introduced last week, House of Miracles. Whether you're at home or here in this facility, we're going to sing to this, this uh, Jesus who works miracles. And remember, come back next week. Be the miracle, 8, 9, 30, and 11, and bring all your friends.